We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown. This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by BetOnline.ag. My name's Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined once again by Sean Siegel, uh, Mr. Zero RB, uh, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Everything when it comes to fantasy football. Sean, uh, how are you doing this week? Good. It, uh, we, we have a week now to digest the free agency results and and certainly now with free agency and uh the combine you know more or less in the rear view we're starting to get a sense of uh, some of the big moves that will affect our dynasty rankings and so uh, gonna be a fun show today we're going to talk about the new dynasty top 150 article i have out specifically breaking down the tier that i focused on here which is sort of a second third round tier and, and a lot of my favorite players are in that group a lot of the people that i like to target uh, when rebuilding and so uh, i think that that should be a lot of fun and certainly you know going along with the the new day-to-day here in the in the wider world and hopefully uh, fantasy football can be a little bit of a an escape for us yeah absolutely and uh, obviously um and the the show later in the week we'll talk a little bit about the rookies as well um it's a strange time because usually this is so rookie centric um it seems like the nfl draft is you know years away at this point where it's it's literally less than than one month so uh, we'll be talking more about that in all the upcoming shows but just not as much as uh, you would normally have around this time of the year but you never know when these tears as we go through 
in, in the dynasty talk in, in just a moment we might actually hit on a rookie or two because obviously we'll be adding those into where we believe they might fit in that top 150 as sean mentioned lots of players coming up here that we tend to talk about because we do have our favorite guys but we usually talk about them in more one-off scenarios so it's gonna be good to get talking about those players and some players we don't always talk about and where we would be slotting them in and those positions or who we might take one over the other so looking forward to doing that in just a moment before we do that i want to let you know as a loyal podcast listener you can save yourself 10 percent to rotavis nfl pass right now it's available through the nfl podcast homepage rotavis.com forward slash podcast get ready for the nfl draft get ready for your fantasy drafts and much much more gain unlimited access to all of our content and tools up there on the site best of all help support the pod once again that is rotaviz.com forward slash podcast get yourself 10 percent off an nfl pass right now so sean jumping into it you did mention uh, your latest piece up on the site it is the 2020 dynasty top 150 at uh, the key tiers to target when supercharging your rebuild team so i guess uh, rather than me jump into the players i'll, I'll give you a little bit of a background in terms of uh, when you're looking at your 150 are you doing this in terms of uh your standard leagues uh you know ppr format or, or which formats are you you looking to here well one of the fun things about this uh group of rankings i think is that it uses both Superflex and tight end premium both of those formats really taking hold in the dynasty community basically all of the new leagues that i'm seeing start up include those two elements and so you know we definitely want to be looking at the quarterbacks uh, Superflex just makes the quarterbacks much more interesting much more involved and adds a full another position that is extremely relevant where uh regular leagues simply do not have that, that dynamic at all and then with the scoring that some of these top tight ends can do then they certainly vault up the rankings especially when you're playing in a deep league that maybe uses multiple flexes in which case tight ends become very uh, flex relevant as well so doing this week we kind of had a show a couple weeks ago where we talked about the top three tiers which were eight guys but broken down uh, into three different tiers as we take some big steps at the top those very top players obviously extremely valuable then move to the tier four and we talked about this on the show that included george kittle mike evans deandre hopkins Devonte adams juju smith schuster tyreek hill chris godwin kyler murray and deshaun watson right so those are the real uh that that deep wide receiver tier that takes us from the middle of the first round you know deep into that second round range has those stud receivers that you can build around for a long time especially maybe someone like a chris godwin whom we've talked about on the show several times recently, a Juju Smith-Schuster even coming off of a bad year. Maybe those are your foundation guys. A few of those other receivers are starting to get into the range where we would certainly expect them to have two, three, four, maybe even five more good seasons. But from a dynasty perspective, you're looking at that time period where if they have a down year, then suddenly their value really falls. If they have a down year and come back and only do so-so, then their value falls again. Uh, When we're trying to reload, and we often talk rebuilding, a lot of owners get themselves in a situation where they need to rebuild or they take over an orphan and they have that sort of exciting, fun experience of uh, taking a roster that's completely broken down and trying to build it back up the other direction that we can look at this from is the one that we've talked a lot in the past which is sort of the 
perpetual reloading mode. We don't let our teams get old. We keep that championship window extended more or less permanently. And so these guys in this tier we're going to talk about today, I think, fit either one of those two mindsets. So uh, the first two people that come to mind, and these are really two guys that, you know, in my personal rankings and when I'm looking at my own drafts, probably move into that previous tier. But I like to try and kind of keep them uh, in this range to not get sort of too irrationally exuberant about them and these are a couple of players that frequent listeners of the show will very much recognize as guys that we talk about all the time as you mentioned and those two players would be aj brown and dj moore yeah and obviously we've talked about these two guys and the listeners uh, i'm sure listening to the show they probably uh, are probably on board at this stage but it's good if we have listeners out there who maybe don't uh, agree with our takes on some of these guys as well and that, that's that's all fair as well but when we look at aj brown look at dj moore like i don't know what much more is left to say about these two guys in terms of their future projections dj moore it's gonna be interesting to see obviously with the, the quarterback chains there uh, aj brown we thought might have a quarterback change this year but obviously Tannehill has stayed in town but both of these guys are uh, players who i think no matter what offense in the nfl they are they would be uh, dynamic playmakers that you want to have both on your your real life roster and in the nfl uh, in terms of a fantasy roster um out of the two of them uh, i'm going to get your take the, the one if i had a, a one-off shot and going, going for one of these guys i, I would be uh, leaning towards dj moore um, probably have equal shares of both of them uh, on my dynasty rosters but if you could only pick one um wh- which way would you be leaning between the two of them i think i would have this slight edge to brown he has a little bit more risk to him but he's an even bigger guy he's the guy i think we could be talking about in a year or two years as being the michael thomas kind of player now the reason that i had both of them down here in tier five as opposed to up in tier four is because of this sort of quarterback uncertainty that filtered out as you mentioned in free agency and and i guess the reason that or the excuse that i use to keep them down here is that teddy bridgewater ryan Tannehill, those are guys that probably give them decent floors we're not as worried about sort of the unmitigated disaster kind of scenario but i am concerned that they also don't give them that 20 point per game upside that we see from time to time from the very best wide receivers is that also a concern that you would have uh, granted you know that we that we like both of these guys yeah i mentioned about if um, you know if they're on any other roster um i i would definitely agree that there's better situations that both these players could be in um there's better offenses that they could be in to to get more out of them and to, to be you know looking more towards that uh, 20 point ceiling you know or you know being above that on average but when we look through it i think in both situations i can i would tend to be slightly the the same effect that you had for brian i would be having that towards dj Moore because i just think that he's going to be probably used in a, a higher volume um, when it comes to the offense in Carolina, uh, I know there's a lot of question marks around how that offense is going to rotate now. Um, but I, I do think that Tennessee is definitely going to maintain that very much run first offense. And I also think that what they did last year in terms of efficiency is unlikely to be repeated to that extent again. Now, maybe there is the volume that'll 
you know add up to not needing to be as efficient but i think that that's where dj Moore might have the edge i can see dj Moore as well being used more uh you know in the slot and in different positions where the the volume when it comes to the ppr leagues could be could be the key difference between these two guys um so i i think it's very fair to lean either way um but that was my reason very similar to way you went for brian that's why i was leaning towards more certainly and i think that there is a very strong justification for that uh more had eight or more targets in 11 of his 15 appearances last year turned those into 15.5 points per game certainly with a little bit more stable quarterback scenario uh, situation even if it's not an upside situation and and or just the, the fact that he's likely going to turn some of these targets into more touchdowns it's very easy to see him getting up to that 17 point per game range and then maintaining it through uh, what hopefully is a long peak a long healthy uh, time in the nfl for him so a very high floor wide receiver right there then we're going to kind of transition into a running back here and nick chubb he's a guy where i'm one of only two rotoviz rankers who has him outside the top 20 and it's perhaps not for the reasons people might think. We've talked on the show a couple of years ago about how Chubb was going to be our zero running back guy. He did that. He broke out after the Carlos Hyde trade. He's averaged five yards per carry or more in both of his uh, NFL seasons. You pull up the road of his screener and you see that he led the league in carries with, uh, with 20 carries of 15 plus yards. That was better even than Derrick Henry. Uh, this isn't anything new, right? We've talked on the show a couple times about Dave's work on breakaway runners in college football. Chubb was one of the very top guys on that list when we go back uh, in that time period. He's talking about the 2014. So Chubb just continuing to do what he does, which is to break these long runs. There are definitely some people out there who would be competitive with him, but I think it would be difficult to make a case for any running back as being clearly a better pure runner than nick chubb so with that being the case why is he down so low uh in my rankings and where would you have him this argument that i make that obviously you've seen do you buy that is that a concern for you the concern here would be you mentioned there in terms of pure running backs like he is as good and has his you know the explosive runs are there for everyone to see if you look at uh, in terms of you know him and Kareem Hunt when they came in last year people thought that it would affect him it didn't really affect him that much but it did drop him per game quite considerably in terms of the it was an eight game in and an eight game out but uh, dropped you know around about six points um in terms of PPR points per game but the big difference was the receptions per game dropped by uh, almost two full receptions per game the targets dropped by almost two targets per game and when you sample that out over the eight games or over 16 games it makes a considerable factor in terms of the the points in a ppr league even per game uh, it almost dropped by 30 yards per game so if you take those two receptions out and take those you know kind of 30 yards out per game you're down five points and that's almost the total amount of a difference between his ppr points before and after so in terms of his actual play it remained as consistent as ever uh, the problem was the taking that away so he kind of falls in sean to that area where we talked about you know uh the kind of dead zone in terms of not getting enough receiving work uh, to be able to push it over the line like derrick henry last year derrick henry was able to still make it there but he was more the exception to the rule in terms of his consistency and getting those points without getting those targets 
we're probably looking at Chubb having to do something similar uh, unless there is a, a shift there in the, the, the decision by how they're going to use him in the passing game. So that's where my concern would be, and that would be the reason why I would have him closer to where you have him ranked versus where the rest of the staff have him ranked. Uh, and that, that's purely down to the opportunity to catch the ball now. Well, we see a situation like we thought with Leonard Fournette last year, where he doesn't get any receptions and then just goes off the chart, uh, and it's basically all his points are based on PPR points from those receptions. Uh, I, I really don't think it will happen based on Kareem Hunt's skill set, uh, but that would be my concern. Is, is that kind of what your concern is to the ceiling is capped because of the the lack of receiving work? It is, and one of the things we look at too is the Browns really did up their running back usage once Hunt became available. Not surprisingly, that's what they should have done. But it creates a scenario where there probably isn't a ton of room to increase it further from that, right? So people who are saying, okay, well, we could still see a growth in terms of the running back usage. That's possible, but it's difficult. And so in order for Chubb to really build on what he's done, he's going to need to take some of the touches back. I really think the scenario that Chubb owners are looking for is an injury or a further disciplinary sort of action for Kareem Hunt. Both of those things are very possible. And in those scenarios, Chubb then would be just an absolute superstar, or he could go out and score 25 touchdowns, right? If the Browns are the offense in 2020 that many people believe they were going to be in 2019, then you could see goal line carries galore, and all of a sudden he's rocketing back up to the top of that leaderboard. Uh, based on what their head coach did last year in Minnesota, I don't think that's extremely likely. On the other hand, you know there, there are some real questions about whether that's the type of offense he really wants to run. If they use the receiving weapons that they have, if Baker Mayfield takes another step back forward, then this offense should be very exciting. And you know you're looking for one of those seasons, maybe a little bit like what Aaron Jones had last year, where he actually did lose quite a few touches to Jamal Williams, but still scored those 19 touchdowns, finished as the running back too. So a touchdown-fueled, very high place is possible here, but you can make some of those same kinds of arguments in favor of the running backs who maybe are a little bit cheaper or certainly the high-end running backs who just are going to be maybe in that same ADP range but have even much higher ceilings. So uh, if you're looking for that particular scenario, then it's probably not as much the risk-reward profile that we really want to invest a lot in compared to some of these other players we really like. Before we get into the second half of the show, I want to let you know about our partners over at betonline.ag. With currently no NBA, NHL, or NFL, or MLB, or anything really in the sporting world going on at the moment, you might be thinking there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports events and games to wager on. Or let them bring you to Vegas with one of their online casinos and blackjack open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series and if you're into props or betting entertainment you can bet on survivor big brother american idol the stock market and everything uh, even including the weather and uh, those stocks they are going up and down quite frequently at the moment so a perfect opportunity to get involved there visit their website and join today to receive a hundred percent welcome bonus with your first deposit as a loyal podcast listener be sure to use the code BLUEWIRE, all one word. Once again, that is BLUEWIRE, all one word, for a 100% sign-up bonus when you join betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. 
So, Sean, when we get into the next section here of the article, I'm going to call out a, a couple of wide receivers, and I'm going to let you hit me with which one that uh, you want to highlight more. So, uh, we have DJ Chark. We also have Amari Cooper and Stefan Diggs. So, one who kind of came from uh, relative obscurity last year to become one of the the leading lights, you know, in terms of breakout wide receivers, and then we have Amari Cooper who got his move to Dallas. Uh, obviously, he's got a big payday since that as well. So, there's lots going on there, and Stefan digs who now has a change in scenery as he moves up to buffalo so a couple of different moving pieces uh how, how are you ranking those three guys as we get ready for uh, 2020 well you know that we're trying to stockpile cooper and Diggs just about everywhere we talked about they're sort of very different but at the same time very favorable moves in free agency on the show last week let's look a little bit here at dj chark i make the claim in the article that he and dk metcalf are going to be battling to be the most physically imposing wide receiver in the nfl once julio jones eventually passes the torch now jones may refuse to do that for several more years We've got a couple of interesting <laughs> young guys here. We talk about the freak score. Obviously, DK Metcalf was almost off the charts in that category. Now, that's not really the case because you have Megatron, Calvin Johnson at 100. Metcalf comes in there at 91. A chart down in the 70s, but because he is a lot lighter, right? We saw this past season, his 4-3, inch vertical on that 6-3 frame brought in those eight touchdowns and was a lethal downfield weapon. He had two 30-point games, started out the season with a 24.6-point game, averaged over 15 points per game, and we've talked on the show, second-year breakouts overwhelmingly go on to excellent careers. We want to be targeting those guys as opposed to third-year breakouts, fourth-year breakouts. That being the case... Chark is a little surprising to me because his ADP as wide receiver 24, I think, sells him short a little bit. However, of that 15 point per game scoring, he only hit that once in his last five games. He finished out the season with an injured game and then two points below 10. Do you think we're getting him at a discount because? of how he played when he was injured and when the quarterback situation really deteriorated down the stretch, or we should be concerned about the fact that so much of his scoring came in in really a handful of games. Uh, it depends what way you want to look at i would be more so the first the first period of it like when you see the situation at the end of the season for the jaguars in general it really went downhill for the entire team um so i wouldn't be holding that part of his performance against him now you mentioned he did hit it once the other games then he hit three single digit games uh, and one game missed but the, the quarterback situation should be a lot more clear this year obviously with the trade of nick Foles uh, away and then gardner Minshew should get a chance here to be the the starter um i i think thought that when he was in the best performances he had was with Minshew and um, I think we'll see that there continue this year I'm still on board I mentioned it a few weeks ago with D.D. Westbrook you know I'm, I'm still hoping that there is a breakout to come there uh, moving forward but I think DJ Charka has been undervalued as you mentioned at, at number 24 at the wide receiver position um, I, I think there's a huge amount of positives in terms of his, his athletic profile and what we could see and I, I think that 
you know, moving into this season, there's a lot of positives. I think this the Jaguars offense will probably look quite a bit different in terms of how they set things up this year. And I, I think that should be beneficial for uh, both both their kind of leading wide receivers and Chark and Westbrook. But uh, looking forward to seeing what he does in his third year in the league and uh, putting some offers out there. You mentioned some some of the guys, you know, with the later breakouts in their career, like somebody like... Uh, um, like a Devontae Parker uh, with the Miami Dolphins you know that's that's the sort of thing that he finished the season very strong with his last kind of four or five games whereas it kind of faded a little bit for DJ Chark they're the sort of players that I'm trying to offload at the moment are players who finished very strong that you know maybe have done it very a little bit later in their career uh, and you know if you can add maybe picks uh, with that or another player to get somebody like DJ Chark that's that's something that I'd be trying to do to make the move there uh, we talked about Miles Sanders on the show last week and quite a bit and he's he's up on this as well but there, there's the other wide receiver or running back sorry that you mentioned a little bit earlier uh, and that is Aaron Jones do you think Jones can uh, continue with what he was able to do last year finishing uh, at minimum top 20 really across all uh, statistics uh, for running backs do you think he can maintain that in, in 2020 Jones is an interesting guy. He's been one of our favorites since before he was drafted. We really like that balanced profile, the explosiveness, the agility, uh, the ability to break off those long runs and maybe not as worried about his size as some other commentators. And we saw last season where we were skeptical about a number of running backs in that running back dead zone. Uh, Some we were right about, some we were wrong about, but Jones was the one guy who fit into the dead zone and had questions about his receiving ability or his receiving numbers. And he was really the guy we thought could make a real improvement in that area. And thankfully that is what happened. His target share jumped from 8% to 13%. And that resulted in a raw increase of 34 targets, which carried him up to this fantastic performance when combined with all of those touchdowns. Now, He had 19 opportunities inside the five, scored on 11 of them. Only Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, and Joe Mixon earned more opportunities, and only Chris Carson, among people who had at least 10, had a better conversion rate. Uh, Jones, we've talked about those big plays. He was also this threat from distance, scoring four touchdowns of 20-plus yards. Again, only McCaffrey and Henry had more of those. So we're seeing both the volume in close, which is important. We're seeing those long scores. Unfortunately, we do know that it can be difficult to maintain that. We shouldn't expect those touchdowns going forward, but I think that we are likely to see another step forward from this Green Bay Packers offense in their second year in the system. And I think that Jones is very clearly one of the most athletic, most explosive Uh, most dynamic running backs in the NFL and possibly even still underrated when you consider uh, if a running back who just finished as the running back two can be underrated. So with both the red flags and the extremely positive things about his profile, I know that the Green Bay Packers are your team. Would you expect their offense to take a step forward? Will some of those opportunities actually go to wide receivers next year if they make the improvements they would like to see? Or can he continue to score at this kind of frantic rate with Aaron Rodgers with an offense that hopefully will score even more total points? 
I don't know if they'll have the same number of touchdowns, but if you look through, like the touchdowns he scored, that they are. It's not like they were flukes. They they are repeatable, but just the volume that he had them in. Uh, you know, they did use him a lot inside the ten yard line, which is what you want to see when you have a, a running back that has those kind of goal line opportunities. I, I do think the offense is, is bound to take a step forward in, in year two. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers last year, while he did get a lot of criticism, there was a lot of positives there with this offense, and I think that that should improve. Um, it's going to be very very interesting to see what they do there has been some reports going around that they may even look to take in another running back in the the draft that would be a bit of a concern i would like them to stay with the two guys they have there because it's an effective one-two punch but we'll see what happens there but i think that like Aaron jones is probably one of the the closer kind of clones to uh christian mccaffrey and what he does for the panthers and what we've seen him do for the packers this year so i think aaron jones has that ability to do something similar this year but it, it might involve more ppr work in terms of receptions than touchdowns to get to similar numbers uh, this coming season when we look down through it sean i don't want to give away everything for the listeners but i'm going to look down through it with a few players that maybe we haven't mentioned uh, as as much and the, some some of the players you've paired off with each other uh, there's a second side of that that we have mentioned so you had Cortland Sutton Terry McLaurin and you had Debo Samuel and Calvin Ridley what I'm going to do is pick the ones that we haven't talked about much recently and that's Debo Samuel and Cortland Sutton um, is there one of those guys that you want to highlight um, out of what you would expect them uh, as a dynasty asset We've had a couple of great articles on the site, both from Antonio and then from Sam Wallace on Samuel. And Sam talks about uh, buying high on Debo, which I think is an interesting take and one that I I like to see. I'm glad that he's been willing to write these articles both on Debo and on Calvin Ridley and why you might consider buying high. Both of these guys have gone through, performed well early in their NFL careers. I think they're both looked at as not true number one guys right those types of players who would have 20 point per game upside who could kind of follow that michael thomas career projection progression where he goes for the 17 points per game and then this past season has kind of this once in a lifetime 23 point per game season as a wide receiver which is more or less unheard of these guys don't look like that right but they did combine for 20 plus games six times last season they both finished very fast you made a good point about selling the guys who finish fast we've had some research on the site just suggesting that is what you want to do that the full season numbers actually give you a better uh next season projection than just kind of focusing on the second half or focusing on the fast fin- finish but these guys especially young guys like this with the fast finishes i think that's encouraging you go back and you look at their college numbers finished with a 30% and a 29% career receiving yardage shares, respectively. When you get such consistency in production out of these types of players, I'm not really anticipating a big dip in their values. I think they're undervalued, but for people who are looking maybe to get a fantastic value on them, I don't necessarily think that's coming. So I would buy on them. You had mentioned uh, Liam Sutton McLaurin. I'm just going to go ahead and put you on the spot here and say, if you are in a draft tomorrow, which one of those three guys are you going to take? Oh, I'm going to take Terry McLaurin, <laughs> but that's just that's just me. But if I was ranking them, I'd be going McLaurin, Sutton, and Lamb. And I I do think that Sutton has been severely under talked about, uh, you know, in terms of dynasty and in terms of redraft. I know the ADP is showing that there's you know 
uh, a lot of positivity around him. But I think that he is somebody, and you touched on some of the guys that could turn into be that kind of alpha wide receiver. Some of some of the plays he was able to make last year, uh, he he fits that mold for me. I just think he's in a situation in Denver where the quarterback isn't uh, really going to be talked about that much. Like we, I, I talk about McLaurin, talk about the concerns at quarterback. I don't really we haven't really talked about Sutton and I think that's because we don't really know enough at quarterback to have concerns what we've seen last year towards the end was very positive I think that he's somebody who could really take a leap forward this year and and become one of those kind of star wide receivers both in fantasy and in the NFL I just think he's in a market at the moment that the media doesn't cover a lot so I think it's a lot uh, less talk about him somebody like Debo obviously the 49ers had to run to the Super Bowl Calvin Ridley's playing with Julio Jones I, I think Sutton is somebody who's kind of he's as ADP mightn't be reflecting it but I think he's somebody who's very very interesting if you can acquire him uh, have you interest in him over the the other two there would you would you jump lamb ahead of those guys it's just uh i've been working my hardest this offseason to acquire both mcclurin and sutton but i've i've been having more success of getting mcclurin on the the rosters but i've been having to, to pay up for him which of those guys would you be would you be going if you had to make a trade in the morning i would take sutton and he is the guy who has the highest adp so that is more or less a, a following uh, with the community on that but i love the two other guys and have been loading up on them i have seen lamb go ahead of them in drafts and while uh, you take on quite a bit of risk if you're going to pass on that kind of a player for a rookie lamb would be the rookie i would pass on them for and then we also get into the situation then where I think we have some very interesting tight ends that come up next for us on the sheet. And I wanted to ask you about them because a little bit like Nick Chubb is in this tier and this he's in this tier with some very, very good players, players I like a lot. So again, it, it's not a criticism at all of him. It's simply below where his ADP is. It's below where he's being ranked by other people. We then move into the situation here, and again, thinking in terms of tight end premium, where we have Travis Kelsey going in the second round, despite the fact that he is going to turn 31 during this season. And then we have Mark Andrews, who is on the other end of the age spectrum down there at 24, just had this monster breakout season, which both for the good and the bad was fueled by extreme efficiency. If you're on the clock and you and you need a tight end or you're just, you want a tight end as a foundation for a tight end premium dynasty league, you know, do you look at Kelsey, who is going to almost certainly help you win in that first season? And frankly, one of the reasons why his age is not talked about a lot is that this does look like a guy who could be what he is right now to 33, 34, you know, 35, could maybe be someone who maybe doesn't challenge the overall numbers for a Tony Gonzalez. Uh, because he got a little bit later start in terms of, of what his age was and his injury situation was kind of coming into the NFL, but maybe it could be like the greatest tight end from 30 plus that we've seen in this offense with Patrick Mahomes, or would you prefer to have someone who is tied to Lamar Jackson doesn't pass with nearly as much frequency, but passed with great efficiency last year and is in an offense where he is clearly the guy. 
This one's very interesting. I, I would say if you polled most people, they probably wouldn't think that Travis Kelsey is as old as he actually is. Um, he's been he's been about a lot longer than you would actually expect. Now, the tight end position is a position, unlike the wide receivers, where the players do tend to develop a little bit later and stay on a little bit longer. So um, the, the one thing I will point out is, though, maybe four or five years ago, we did have a kind of tight end class that was around 30 years of age 30 31 guys like greg olson delaney walker what we've seen with those guys is when those injuries start to pile up because it's a little bit more of a physical position they really do kind of happen very very quickly and there is quite a cliff for them to fall off you know jason witten would fit into that category as well there's a lot of guys like that that would have been seen as values at that age so kelsey's age is a definitely a concern um if i had to pick one for you know the next two three seasons uh, i would be picking kelsey because i think there's going to be uh, a bigger uh, you know, amount of points and a, a volume of that offense. Mark Andrews is very interesting. Um, if you have the courage to pull the trigger on him uh, and have faith that that offense is going to be very, very similar uh, moving forward, he's a very, very interesting candidate. I just think tight entry is, is very, very high um, for him. Somebody who would interest me when you're looking through this list of, of tight ends, and when you do look down through it, there's a lot of average tight ends in terms of the dynasty, uh, you know, sphere. Like if you're looking at position ranks, like David and Joku's fifteenth uh, overall, so it shows you how concerning it gets very, very quickly. Um, but I would be still interested in, in Zach Ertz, who on on the rankings on the site is fifth overall for uh, tight ends, and uh, he is he is only a couple of years younger than than Kelsey but I, I think that we're going to see a situation here where he likely gets a, a large contract extension and I, I think those two years are something that I would be pushing Ertz still for me to tight end three just above Andrews and I think Andrews then will be in the fourth spot after that uh, is Ertz somebody who uh, you you would think of in that category or would you be clearly taking uh, Andrews ahead of him Ertz is someone, and, and we'll talk about this a little bit for the show on Thursday when we look about some very key targets in best ball. He's someone I, I really like for this year and think he's undervalued for this upcoming season. I'm not as concerned about having to split targets with his impressive understudy, who also happens to be much older than people may realize. Uh, with Ertz and that receiving group, he is still the guy, so he gets a lot of targets. If that offense gets a little bit more efficient again, it's, it's one of those things where if they actually bring back a little bit more supplemental receiving power, then I think it will benefit him. He'll become more efficient. He's actually been right there with Kittle and Kelsey in terms of volume over the last couple of years, but he hasn't been nearly as efficient. You look at that offense with their young quarterback, looks ready to blow up obviously they've uh, won a super bowl as a team you look at what they could do and Ertz is a guy i think is a great bounce back candidate a great value even though he's still going you know toward the top of the tight end uh, category could be a great value for this year uh, i i really like andrews for this upcoming season and for the long term you look what he was able to do with the 10 tight end one finishes this past year despite being in an offense that was 31st in expected points 32nd in passing attempts you look at what he would do if they increase that passing volume at all i think he can be an 
absolute monster. So he would be my guy in, in this tier at the tight end position. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, the Eagles and, and what they could possibly do. If they could all just stay healthy, uh, it'll be interesting. Like even last year, Ertz was so banged up. Uh, you know, Wentz has been banged up so much. Um, like it's just the, if they could all stay healthy, they, obviously somebody like Alshon Jeffrey's still there too, always, uh, you know, in and out of the trainer's room. So let's see what, what they do here um, coming in to this season but that's going to do it for today's edition of the show talking through the dynasty 150 and if you do go and check that out in the side we did touch on a good few of the players there is more to dive into there with sean's great piece up on the website my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime art and my co-host is sean siegel and as always make sure you subscribe to uh, the podcast on both the individual feed and the main road of his radio feed uh, and you'll get those shows as soon as possible when they come out uh, we'll be back with another show later this week and until then have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.